we're going to walk down memory lane once again. And I know you guys are probably tired of hearing from an NAIA wide receiver. So let's go ahead and hear from a legitimate Division I wide receiver and a former Cowboy. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Today, we're brought to you by Bird Dogs Clothing. It is the bee's knees, so if you don't know, you're going to know after today. And yeah, I do like to dive into film, right? I get a little bit love drunk punch on some of the film aspects of things but at the same time sometimes hearing from somebody who did it in a cowboy uniform is just much more interesting so ladies and gentlemen help me welcome onto the show somebody that you may know from the 2011 big 12 championship squad you may know him from his affinity and conversations with with uh josh cooper you might know him from pistols firing you might know him from the believe in oklahoma state podcast ladies and gentlemen Help me welcome on the show today, Justin Southwell. How are you doing, my brother? Cody, I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, I didn't realize that I had been in the Oklahoma State lore across multiple media outlets. So thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, um, man. Whenever I find uh, different things that you've done, whether it be podcasts that you've joined or other shows you've jumped on or your own podcast or the stuff you did with pistols firing, breaking down all the uniforms and everything, clearly... Your opinion matters in cowboy country, so I greatly appreciate you giving me some time here. So we'll just kick this thing off because I know this is not something you get asked all that often. Tell us a little bit about your journey from Moore, Oklahoma to Stillwater, Oklahoma. I know being a 5'7 speedster may have had some, some play in there, but I also know you had some other options. So why was Oklahoma State really the right call for you, brother? Yeah, man. Uh, basically, I grew up in that yeah Westmore area. Kind of looked up to guys, you know, like West Welker. Um, Josh Cooper was at Mustang at the same time I was at Westmore. And uh, I kind of looked after those guys as kind of my role models. I grew up an Oklahoma State fan and um, big wrestling family. So I was in wrestling and Oklahoma State was obviously top tier as far as that goes. Um, I think, I don't know, it was around the sophomore year. My dad was like, all right, you're going to have to decide, like, do you really want to play football? And I kind of, like, thought about, mm, maybe I should hang it up. And um, kind of last minute, I decided, no, like, I don't I don't think I want to. So I stuck with it. Um, at the time, I was almost about to go to Cassidy Prep School and um, made some connections there. But uh, ultimately decided that I wanted to stick with my friends over at Westmore. So I actually had to approach Coach Whaley after summer workouts and explain the whole situation. Like, I've been working out. Um, I'm ready to go. I'm sorry for missing summer, but I take football very seriously. I'd love if I could, you know, be on the team. 
So he agreed to it and went from there. So because I was late though, ironically, I, I ended up with number zero. So that was back before it was cool. All right. I got made fun of for wearing number zero and now people wear it as a, a badge of honor almost. So uh, basically I had to do everything I could to prove I was worthy of a number other than zero. And back in, you know, uh, Little League, 22 is the number because of Emmett Smith. And I, that was kind of the goal. So at, around that time, it was Rashawn Woods. That was the big Bedlam win. I looked up to him. And um, that was whenever I decided I want to play receiver. Like being able to make an impact like that uh, would be just a dream come true. And so I started, you know, working – uh, full-time receiver, really honing in on those skills. Um, I do all kinds of like hand-eye coordination drills outside of practice. And my dad would work with me a lot. So uh, just, you know, doing a ton of extra work uh, as, and it wasn't really even considered work at that point. Cause I was just having fun with it, but yeah, I decided, um, you know, after, after I hung it up in, in high school, I, uh, I actually went to Oklahoma Baptist for one year. They didn't have a football team, um, but I did play flag football and kind of tore it up, you know? So the guys there were like, Hey, <laughs> you need to, uh, you need to actually go play somewhere like quit playing flag football, quit messing around. Uh, you need to go play. And it was always a dream to go to Oklahoma state as a fan. And so, uh, yeah, that 2009 season, right before the season started, uh, I did the walk on tryouts and it really is based on what their need is, what positions they need. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you kind of go into it looking at the roster and it's like, oh, well, they don't really need that many receivers right now. But this is what I've been working for. Uh, and the initial cut, I didn't make the cut. So uh, at the time I emailed the director of recruiting, I think it was Scott Yielding. And he was basically like, uh, hey, man, sorry, you didn't you didn't make the cut. Uh, we'll have tryouts again in January. But I emailed him back and I was like, hey, I know I didn't make the team, but if I could even just work out with the team in the weight room behind the scenes, like I don't have to be on the team per se, suit up and all this other stuff. And he responded a little while later and was like, tell you what, come by after class and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. So dropped everything. You know, after class, straight to Coach Yielding's office, excited about whatever this opportunity might be. And as it turns out, one of the receivers that was on the team had quit the day before. And it opened up a spot. And he was basically like, the spot's open right now. Um, basically, go out and make me proud. <laughs> so, yeah, I did I did everything I could. So, um, I I think every year that I was there, I was by far the smallest guy on the team. but it was it was such a great uh, time to be with those guys and and connect with the receivers, establish the friendships that we had, um, and of course, being a fan, I enjoyed every minute of it. I was I just felt so blessed to be there, had as good of an attitude as as I could uh, throughout all of that, and I was just doing above and beyond what anybody could. Like you know, locker room was brand new, so I was doing I was going around and picking up people's trash. So I, I just love everything about Oklahoma State um, and just, of course, like I said, felt so blessed to be on that team. And, of course, it ended up being 
some of the best teams in Oklahoma State history. So cherry on top there. There you go. Well, it's actually one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the show is because with the, the new offensive scheme that we're going to be rolling out, I do think that we got a little cutesy-tootsy the last few years with our slot receivers and some of the route concepts we had them running. I think that this year it's going to be more reminiscent of the Josh Cooper, of the David Glidden, of the bowl bowling style of slot receiver, which I think is a perfect ideal situation for not only BP, Brennan Presley, <clears throat> but Arlen Bruce. Arlen Bruce is going to fit right. precisely what those old school route concepts used to look like. So we're going to get into that real quick. But before we do, I do have to let the fine people out here know about bird dogs clothing. All right, guys. I got a shipment of bird dogs in the other day. And again, if somebody is willing to bet on themselves, basically say, we're not going to give you a script. We're not going to tell you what to say. We're going to send you the products. And then you tell us how, how good it is. Was the boldest bad A move I have ever been a part of. And bird dogs clothing is legitimately that good. Me, whether it be I'm in the prosthetic or I'm in the wheelchair or I'm hopping around the house like Tigger the Tiger on Mountain Dew, I have to be comfortable. And these shorts with built-in boxers are the most bad mamma jamma piece of clothing I've legitimately ever purchased. And I do go crazy on my golf shorts purchases because I like to look good. I still got a decent, decently sized calf I like to show off. And Bird Dogs help, helps me do it. You can go right now. BirdDogs.com, use promo code Locked On to get yourself a free Yeti tumbler with the Bird Dogs logo on top of it. I should have brought it up here, but I, I had it downstairs drinking some coffee, so I failed in that mission. But do yourself a favor, go to BirdDogs.com, use the promo code Locked On right now to get yourself hooked up on this uh, this free tumbler that they got rocking and rolling for us. All right, Justin. So the last couple of years, when you look at some of the route concepts from the slot receiver position. The scissors concept is nothing new, right? That's something that's been going back since the beginning of time. But when you have a quarterback that you know has some deficiencies throwing interceptions, and you also know that the offensive line doesn't give him the most amount of time, I don't know why in God's purple earth we're sending our slot receiver 18 yards down the field. But nonetheless, I digress. This appears to be a much more simplistic approach, right? Your, your old school, your you know, three yards slant, your quick pivot routes, your your, your mm -hmm. double crossing routes, things of that nature seem to be in vogue again in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So you being in that mold, running those style routes, if you could please let the fine people out here know why the slot receiver route concepts are massively beneficial to the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, if it is um... – Man coverage, you have to identify if it's going to be a linebacker or a safety because you're not really worried about the corners. And really, if you're a, a quick slot receiver, you should be able to beat either one of those guys as a, a linebacker especially. Um, they're a little bit harder to block, sure. But as far as being able to get open, uh, you know, you got you to gotta utilize your quickness and get into some green space. And, you know, I think that maybe – Gundy probably lost some confidence in Spencer over time. Like you said, with the interceptions, throwing across the middle, especially, we just haven't seen it in a long time. And that really limits what you can do on offense. And I'm excited to see what Bowen is able to bring to the table as far as being able to throw across the middle, over the top. And like you said, different, different route concepts for slot receivers to be able to take advantage because, uh, 
Brendan Presley, he's like one of the most dynamic players we've had. We've seen it with the kick return at Bedlam. And the fact that we can't get him the ball as much as we need to is a little bit of a concern. So I think that that will be alleviated this upcoming summer. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't see any way around it. We have to, we have to be able to get him the ball. And if he's going to be playing a lot more, Arlen Bruce, you're going to be able to step in whenever he comes out. So, well, so you mentioned something strategically in regards to man coverage. Well, I, I think somebody like a BP and Arlen Bruce is even more so designed to settle in the pockets for zone coverage. Now we do see a lot of three, three, five in this league and three, three, five zone. It's schematically quite a bit different than your traditional three, four, or even a four, three front. But whenever you look at these guys that we have at this very moment, do you see defenses going primarily zone or going primarily man on us? Because we have not been able to utilize the underneath and the seam routes in the last couple of years offensively. I think tight end could help with that. Um, but do you see more, more teams focused on zone or, or a man coverage for our offense this year? If we're running 4.5 yards of carry, like I feel like we definitely will. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, defenses, they're going to have to just, uh, you know, they're going to need to adjust regardless because over the last several years, we've had Spencer Sanders at quarterback. Everything's going to change, and, and they're not going to have the the film to be able to go back and say this scheme works, this scheme doesn't. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of experimentation, especially uh, in the first few games. But with three three five, I guess probably – uh, zone is probably going to be more of your um, let's feel them out kind of right. concept, and and really you can you can still cover a lot of ground with zone, but that's historically where Oklahoma State's been able to pick defenses apart as well. Because with the zone, you're still leaving open areas in the defense where a traditional route, I mean, it doesn't go into that, but being smart, seeing that it's a zone coverage, you know where that linebacker or safety is going to be. And basically you just go away from where he's going to be quarterback on the same page, pick up yards, keep getting first downs, keep moving the ball. I love it. All right. So we're going to talk obviously wide receiver as we trail here, but you did bring up Alan Bowman. You also, we we've kind of thrown in some Spencer Sanders conversation in here as well. So it does lead me to ask you this question, Alan Bowman. This is year five of him playing big boy division one football, his mental makeup, and how many offenses and how many schemes he's seen, not only from a, a quarterback perspective, but the different defenses he's seen, whether it be in the Big 12, Big 10, right, the multitude of things that he's been able to see. The cerebral side of the game is there for him. But the question this spring has been the same question we've had with Spencer Sanders. When you're this many years into this level of football, how do you stop throwing as many interceptions? Man, yeah, that's. I guess if he would, if he knows the answer to that, put it in, put it into play, put it into <laughs> practice. Uh, I don't really know from a, a quarterback side, really what that looks like, because I think part of it is uh, confidence in yourself, maybe overconfidence, and just trying to sling it in there where maybe you shouldn't, uh, versus getting in your head and and being completely not confident and just not putting the ball where it needs to be on a regular basis. I think that maybe we saw a little bit of a mix from Spencer Sanders in that, where it started off like I'm Superman. I'm going to just fling it in here and it 
gets tipped and intercepted. And then over time, it, you know, start having yeah. some mental issues with that. With Bowman coming over here from Michigan, you kind of have a clean slate again, fresh start. So I just feel like you kind of have to use that as a momentum stepping stool. Like, you know, everything's at zero now for you. So, you know, now, just it, take, it, take care of the ball. I mean, I know that that's a big emphasis for Gundy and offenses in particular anyway. So uh, you got to be able to build that trust and confidence with, with the head man to be able to open up the offense to do all the potential that it has. All right, so we're going to roll into a little bit of wide receiver conversation here. And the reason I find this prevalent is because, yes, I have been beating my head against the uh, we're going to rush for over 2,500 yards this year wall. Yes, we're going to rush for over 4.5, 4.6 yards of carry. All, all of this. I see it coming. But the reason that I want to talk about wide receivers is because Oklahoma State has been known, uh, at least recently, as a team that likes to take the top off the defense, right? You think of mm -hmm. Mason Rudolph dropping dimes deep, right, on a consistent basis. You even saw it out of uh, Taylor Cornelius. Corndog could, could let it launch. You didn't see as much of that with Spencer Sanders, and sometimes when you did see Spencer launch it deep, he had this affinity for underthrowing the ball, right? Mm -hmm. that, we saw that happen over and over again. Well, that's also primarily because we didn't have the running game, right? Jalen Warren yes. was our running game, and without yeah. Jalen Warren, we saw – the massive, the massive difference I see this year being considerably different. And as it pertains directly to wide receivers is, are they going to get as many balls as they have been the next last few years? Probably not. But the capitalization moments, in my opinion, are going to be bigger because if you are rushing for 2,500 plus yards, if you are rushing for over 4.5 yards to carry, that mm -hmm. means naturally the other team's going to have to start putting eight, nine men in the box. Right. Which, which, you know, as a wide receiver, that is when you start licking your chops. When you see teams cheating into the box, that's yeah. when you get that little extra gear of, oh, somebody's going to be getting the ball today. Yeah, exactly. I uh, love it. Love it so much. So especially being able to incorporate, I know we're saying receivers, but being able to reincorporate the tight end into this conversation as well, because they're going to be creeping down thinking that he's going to block and then you got to pop pass over the middle wide open for you know, who, who knows? Um, same thing for slot receivers, especially if it looks like you're coming down to block a safety and you hit them with a double move and go over the top. I mean, come on guys. Like we really, we should be taking full advantage of this. So I love that we're changing up the blocking scheme. I love that we're going to be able to utilize a slew of running backs, especially that we brought in the transfer from Michigan state with some experience, but the star potential of Ollie Gordon, Jake Nixon, like these guys uh, are going to complement each other so well. So it really is just a matter of staying healthy, protecting the ball. And um, really, there's no reason that this offense shouldn't be, you know, one of the best offenses we've had in the last decade. So maybe depth at wide receiver isn't what it was last year, but talent, talent is definitely, definitely on par, especially mm -hmm. with this offensive scheme. But if you were to look at some of the new guys that come in, right, we've heard nothing but great things so far about Dejon Stribling. Not only does he have the hands, but he athletically, physically was ready to go, which Tay Martin was not when he came from Washington State. So that was a breath of fresh air. But he has way more wiggle than I ever thought. Like even looking at his Washington State film, you didn't see him get his Brennan Presley on all that often. But you are seeing him shimmy and shake quite a bit in spring. 
So that, that that's obviously a plus. Arlen Bruce, we know the quickness that he has is something that we haven't seen. And, and again, this is not a knock on BP. I think everybody understands what BP can provide. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, Brennan Presley has been the guy that has acrobatically bailed out all of the quarterbacks of this spring. So we know what BP provides. I think Arlen Bruce is going to be a very, very pleasant surprise. Leon Johnson, the third out of George Fox university shows up at six foot five, 230 pounds running a four, five, four, six, 40. He looked like Megatron the first couple of weeks. Like I know that cornerbacks were having conversations amongst themselves on how to stop Leon Johnson. The third, he was a problem. They adjusted. We went to full pads. He slowed down production a little bit, but out of some of the new guys, I mean, we're not even talking about Jaden Bray. We're not even talking about Taylor Chetron. We're not even talking about Blaine Green. Right. But out of the new guys, who do you see? Todd Owens in there too. Yeah. Who do you see out of the new guys really, really capitalizing the season mixed in with the Brays and the Greens of the world? You know, um, I kind of go back and forth on this a little bit. I I think Shriveling is probably going to be the one that stands out. But your uh, heart wants to say Arlen Bruce. I can see it. It does. It really <laughs> does. Don't, don't get it twisted, man. Like it, it because whenever people, whenever the defenses see that Presley comes off, they probably have a tendency to think 100%. it's a run or we're in the yep. clear here. And then next thing you know, Arlen Bruce is doing about the same thing as what Presley's doing. So, um, yeah, that's why I think that the, the potential is there. It's just a matter of, you know, we're not going to be able to get the ball around to everybody the way that they want, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whenever you do get the opportunity, take advantage for sure. Um, I think that um, Stribling, though, has more of the potential, I think, for what you were talking about earlier as far as, uh, you know, going deep, especially, yeah, or being yeah. the uh, kind of the – the Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, jump ball in the red zone type of situation. Um, So I just think that because of that, the stats are probably going to look a little bit more favorable on his side. You you ready for a a little mini comp? Now, don't freak out, Cowboy Nation. I'm not (laughs) saying this is tried and true, but when I look at film on Stribbling, he reminds me a lot of James Washington. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I mean, yeah, James I'm not going to argue it. Like, uh, I know that he's a lot taller, um, but James Washington played big. So I could see it. I dig it, man. I, and you know what? Arlen Bruce, what, what I love about Arlen Bruce is people were kind of freaking out on when we lost Braylon Presley because of the, the different packages that you could kind of incorporate with Braylon. Well, don't stress, ladies and gentlemen, Arlen Bruce does precisely what we were going to do with Braylon Presley. I'm not saying that 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 you know losing Braylon's not going to hurt eventually, but mm-hmm. no, not right now. Arlen Bruce is a net positive win in this in this this direction. You did bring up Elijah Collins, and Elijah Collins kind of this spring. I, I don't want to say get swept under the rug, but Jaden Nixon reeled off so many highlight reel runs that it kind of overshadowed what Elijah Collins was doing. Elijah Collins is having a very comparable spring to what Jalen Warren provided when he came. The difference being Jalen Warren did make a couple highlight, like jumping over defensive linemen plays in spring. Now, Elijah Collins didn't quite do that, but he did reel off multiple, I'll repeat it because we haven't seen it in a while, multiple 90-plus yard runs. Nice. 
Yeah, Jaden Nixon did the same thing, which is yeah. why, you know, I think Jaden Nixon kind of shown, I can't speak English sometimes, shown out, showed out, whatever. I didn't finish with my degree. You can hear it in my verbiage. I apologize. Well, but that's that's awesome, though, because you have all three of those guys that are potential home run threats. And I don't see why you wouldn't take advantage of throwing back that uh, diamond formation that we used to do mm. where they have no clue who to expect is going to get the ball. Uh, and then the next thing you know, they're just breaking a long one on you. So, bro. And Braden Cassidy looks every bit. I know, I know I'm going to strike another chord here, but in the small sample size, he looks every bit as good as what we potentially had with Brian Ward. Yeah, no, he was a surprise. Like, legitimately speaking, him and Schultz were put at the fullback position, right, because they were cowboy backs. They've been right. taught the offensive line schemes and how to block, how to get to the outside shoulder, use leverage, chip, yada, yada. So them being put at fullback, I, I do indeed believe, was just kind of a warm body placeholder that knew what to do. But Braden Cassidy is blowing people away. Not only is he a successful fullback, but he's even getting carries in goal line situation, which is absolutely insane. You, you mentioned the diamond formation. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine if you are as a defense, you have to respect the fact that Alan Bowman is big enough to run you over. You have to respect the fact that we have our four string running back putting out tweets saying we are the best running back committee in the country. And I believe it. DeAndre Jackson is a four string running back that I think knows good and down well, he could start at half the Big 12 tomorrow's status. Like, and maybe, again, maybe I'm just getting too drunk on the orange Kool-Aid. But, man, I just, uh, I don't see how this season isn't as productive as the Vegas right. odds have it. I mean, I feel like we could put Gunnar Gundy playing quarterback right-handed backwards and win seven games. <laughs> We're too talented, too deep, and the schedule sets up too well. So you notice I, I, yeah. I way, all yeah. the way here. A lot of people aren't talking about that enough. I think that the way that the schedule sets up the with the Big 12, the way it's laid out, it's so favorable for Oklahoma State. And it's all about matchups whenever it comes down to you having that many teams. Mm -hmm. And re realistically, I mean, I'm expecting to see at least nine games. Ten is absolutely realistic for this team and people are talking about six and a half seven wins like i don't really understand that um but of course you have to play the you have to play the games and oh yeah with with all the injuries that happened last year uh with the perceived chaos of losing everybody in the transfer portal i understand why that line is so low but at the same time i'm sitting over here just like i can't wait can't wait for this season because it's not, I mean, it's not going to be a shock to me, but it's going to be a shock to everybody that thought they yeah. were going to be at the bottom of the Big 12. Yeah, I've, I've said it uh, 133,000 times. I'll say it again. Oh, state fans, bet the over. Big bet 12 fans, bet the over. I mean, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, ladies and gentlemen, the last time we lost seven games or more was 2005. Right. And, and I mean, the other part of this is like, okay, you get to play all the new teams, but it's not just that you're playing all the new teams. It's that it's loaded on the back end of your schedule. So these guys have not played in the conference 
they don't know the physicality of the Big 12 yet. And they're going to get beat up by the time they have to play Oklahoma State more than likely. And I think with the way that Oklahoma State has been as a program since Gundy has been a coach, with Coach Glass especially in the background, I mean, these guys should absolutely handle their business against these these teams. Well, and you, you, you're right. We avoid some of the traps, right? We get Iowa State very early. Thank goodness for the scheduling gods on that one. Um, and then at the, the back half, of course, we got Bedlam. We could probably do an entire episode on breaking down some of the Bedlam hypocrisy over the years, but we won't do that now. But you have Bedlam. Okay, it is what it is. It's in Stillwater. The feeling has to be good going into this one, at least better than some years past, not last year. Last year we were clearly better, kind of like 2013. It is what it is. But then after that, you're talking to Houston, to UCF, and then BYU at home to end the season. We don't have a cold-weather game to be entirely scared of to end the season. To me, that by itself is a good betting metric. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did circle around. I did want to get your um, your ideas on the win total. I heard your podcast, 10, 10 wins. I think you're you're dead on there. We yeah, should uh, be able to do more. 10, I, yeah, I just feel like it should be 10. Um, I understand the maybe the history of the Big 12 opener on the road at Iowa State. I get all that, but at the same time, like, come on. Like, it's Iowa State. Like, we should be able to handle that. Like, I understand that the competition is closer than what people would like to admit. But if we're fully healthy going into that game, there's no reason that they should hang around. Um, I think the next week is Kansas State. Or maybe it's off a of bye week, but it's a Friday night game in Stillwater. Uh, I I lean toward Kansas State winning that game just because of what happened last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. But then we get KU at home Deuce, right after. They're, they're losing Deuce Vaughn. They're losing uh, Malik Knowles. But Will Howard's still there. I mean, but up until that game last year, Coach Gundy had Coach Klein's uh, number. Yep. So it could be that they went in that game too. And you're going undefeated into the next few games. And uh, like I said, should just be able to handle business. You don't have to worry about um, hotter teams right now like Texas Tech. Texas is always going to be a threat with just the talent on the roster, even though we've had their number the last couple of years. Um, Baylor, um, that's I think they're pretty evenly matched with Oklahoma State, but at the same time, every year is different. So I I don't pay enough attention, close enough attention to Baylor to say, oh, yeah, this is going to be exactly like it was in 2021 in the Big 12 championship game. I don't know that that's the case. So, Well, no disrespect. No disrespect intended, but let's just be, you know, legitimate football observers. If Dominic Richardson is Baylor's starting running back, they're they're going to have a rough year. I'm just – I love Dom, but the dude could not see open green grass if, yeah. you, if you rented it to him. I just I – don't, I don't get it. I don't even know if he's going to be the starter, to be honest, Cody. Yeah. Like, he might not be. So, uh, he might just – fill into a backup role spot, which is um, just kind of, I don't know, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you transfer? But, sure. Vision vision is vision. All right, man. So 
I've I've got a rapid fire for you, um, and then we'll get to the, the end of the video. I do want to hit back to some of the wide receiver stuff, but real quick, it can be one word, one sentence, one phrase, one whatever. When I say Oklahoma State football's new uniforms are classic, they're classic. You could have said the best in the country too. That, they that, are. That would have sufficed. They are the best in the country, but when I look at what we've had over the years. We should go back to the teaser trailer that Oklahoma State put out the night before the uniform release. Yes. It was surprising to me how over time it seems like we've had this tradition of the triple stripe, the Northwestern stripe is what it's called, on our shoulders. And why we got away from that basically in what was it? basically since Gunny's been the coach call it like it is. I don't know why, because it looks so good. It, it is uh unique still uh, to college football. I understand that some teams have that stripe, but it's in different colors. You don't see it in orange and black. Uh, and to me growing up watching Oklahoma state football, seeing the highlights of the great Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders, this is what Oklahoma State football is to me. So I'm so glad to see that stripe back on the uniforms. I think it's uh, the best decision that the equipment staff could have made to put that back on there. And dude, I've been clamoring for it much like 95% of the fan base, but that Oklahoma State just yeah. boom. I mean, right. what do most people nationally think of Oklahoma State? They think of Barry Sanders. Right. That is, it, it's a fact. So that sure. jersey is the most iconic jersey nationally. So to bring it back, it's all full, full circle. At first, I didn't know what to think about the new font, mm -hmm. but the more I see it with the helmet and, and the, the the pants and everything, yeah. I'm, I'm a so You know, the word mark is fine. I like it, though, because it, it does match what we have uh, in our end zones. If yep. we are going to have any kind of modern sense to that uniform, keep it subtle on, on the text. But if you're going to look at it from the stands or from far away, you're probably not even going to notice it. It's probably just going to look like Oklahoma State to you and what you see in your mind from the 80s. So uh, I'm just glad that the number font doesn't match exactly with that. I just like that they kept it yeah. the basic font because if you have all the extra, you know, sands on the numbers, then I think that it probably just sticks out a little bit too much. Which of the new combos hit you immediately as, as your favorite? So this is so weird, but like it's orange or it's, I'm sorry, it's white, orange, white, and it's our okay. standard look. But the only reason that I am drawn toward it so much, I think is because of one Barry Sanders, but two, ever since we started doing the different combinations since 2011, I feel like I've been missing it. You know, we always seem to wear it the very first game of the year. And then it's always against a non-conference opponent from uh, you know, G5 or FCS. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I want to see this in action against other Big 12 teams. I miss it in that regard. So that is going to stand out as my favorite combo. Okay. Uh, and of course, having, you know, orange, I'm sure, you know, Oklahoma State fans have to love that. Um, but if I had to pick another one that's like a little bit more um, – not traditional it probably white black white because the way that we wore that 
Uh, well, the one that really stuck out was Baylor in 2013 when we were with the black OS, uh, OSU logo. And the fact that we just absolutely smashed Baylor in that game, it helps. But I like that this version has white numbers on the black jersey. And I think that it's going to mesh that much better together. So. Man, I uh, I think the first one I have to purchase, I've got to buy the Bob Finnemore's. I just, it, it just feels right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it feels right. Okay. So lastly, uh, before we let you skedaddle on out of here, we've talked before about injuries and how if you have a good depth chart, sometimes you can kind of cover up some of the injuries throughout the course of the season. But the part of the injuries where people seem to kind of get lost in the sauce is scout team and preparation. So if you could kind of hint on that a little bit, right? I think people get lost on the fact that it's not so much about your three deep. It's about your scout team has to be able to get everybody prepared, right? To the best of their abilities. So if you've got some certified, legit, like imagine when Kendall Daniels was on the scout team. Right. And he was, right? You as an offense, you know you're getting better because you have somebody like that you're, you're preparing against. So when your injuries start to happen, it's not so much the three deep that, that becomes the issue. It's the preparation for the rest of the team that becomes an issue. So being somebody that played special teams, played, played scout team, kind of break that down for us a little bit because you do. You have to take a more – I would say you have to take more pride in that role than you do a starting role. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said for – like that is your contribution to the team. If you're not going to be able to do it on game days in front of 60,000 fans, you need to be able to do it in the background whenever nobody's watching. And what I I don't understand so much is like the, the guys that don't uh, love that part of the process. So Justin Blackman, for example, redshirted, and he was on the scout team, and he used that opportunity to get better. Because whenever you're on the scout team, you're playing against the first team and second team defense. Yep. Those are the guys that you're going up against to get better. And yeah, I mean, you're considered a walk-on, but the mindset is like you're competing, right? Every It doesn't matter who it's against. And with it being Oklahoma State, if you're a top 25, top 15, top 10 team, the confidence continues to build as a scout team player like, no, I'm not playing for Oklahoma State on Saturdays right now, but I could be going, I could play for this other team. And I, I think that a lot of people get that in their heads and like, I want to go transfer mm -hmm. and I'm going to go start over here. I totally understand that. But whenever you form a bond with that brotherhood on your team and you're okay with not being in the spotlight, not getting all of the receiving yards, accolades, whatever the case is, and just doing the work in the dark, like that's what makes your team better. And yeah, I mean, at, at first you kind of think, ah, well, I didn't really do anything. I didn't contribute to the win over Texas A&M in 2011. No, that's not the case. Like you absolutely did because you prepared them for that game and you gave them the best looks throughout the week. You absolutely contributed to it. And uh, yeah, I just think that a lot more people would have success if they had that mindset going into it and just have fun with it. Like, you know, there's a lot of pressure that's taken off of you because you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, completely polishing the details of 
every single like I have to be on it for this game in this particular situation. Like none of that really matters. Just focus on what's on the scout team card and then how you can make your team better. Absolutely phenomenal answer, man. That is that is exactly what I was looking for. Well, brother, I know you're a busy man. I know you got a skedaddle on off of here. I greatly appreciate you giving me some time here and, and breaking some things down with me. I had a lot of fun on this one. But real quick, let the fine people out there know how they can track you down and how they can get some more Justin Southwell in their veins. Yeah, for sure. So I'm on Twitter. I think a lot of people know that, uh, you know, Oklahoma state fans, they probably know me on Twitter, but if you, if you don't follow me, you can at Justin Southwell. Uh, we are also on the believe in OK state pod. And so it's me, Meg Robinson and Eve Batoba. Eve is a former Oklahoma state player, former roommate of mine, and, uh, he played on defense. So we give kind of the offense and defensive perspective and uh, we do a weekly podcast with Believe in OK State. Um, but other than that, yeah, just give me a shout. I'll, I'll try to try to do what I can to get connected with you. Awesome, brother. Again, thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. I think that's all we're going to have for this one, ladies and gentlemen. As always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. We'll see Go you Pokes. around the next one. All right, y'all. Later.